Well, in case you needed a reminder about the greatness of our Creator, y'all just got one. Amen? Amen? God is good. Thank you, brother. Amen, amen, amen. Well, you know, uh, farmers, gardeners, gardeners, and botanists would all tell you that the success of a crop or a plant, you got this, Gav? Ringing, thanks. Uh, the success is based upon the soil, right? It's all about the dirt. Let me give you some dirt on dirt, the facts about dirt. Did you know that it takes 500 years to form one inch of topsoil? One tablespoon of soil contains more organisms than people on earth. 15 tons, I love this one, of dry soil per acre pass through one earthworm each year. <laughs> 1.4 million earthworms can be found in one acre of cropland. This is kind of cool. 10% of our world's carbon dioxide emissions are stored in dirt. Soil needs 11,000 gallons of water to produce one bushel of wheat and 4,000 gallons to produce one bushel of corn. That's interesting. Dirt is at the bottom of our food chain, and yet it's the cornerstone to life on earth. In fact, in Genesis 2-7, we realize that we were formed from... Right. Here's the big idea. Our dirt matters. And Jesus conveys this truth in the parable of the sower, although it should be titled the parable of the soils. Because what Jesus is going to point out is there's four types of soil. There's four conditions of our heart. That's what he's talking about. The soil is really our heart. It's all about the soil. And so as we read this parable and, and go through this today, I want to challenge all of us to ask ourselves, which one of the soils am I? Luke 8, verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Verse 6, some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Let me just pause there. Not only are our parables for the purpose of revealing truth, deep truth in a practical way that we can understand, but Jesus wanted to conceal it through parables because he didn't want to cast his pearl to swine. He didn't want the, the, the haters out there who really didn't want to, 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 to know the truth, just wanted to judge him and be a bunch of religious churchy people. He, he wanted to conceal it from them. Verse 11, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy. And when they hear it, but they have no root. 
They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Verse 15, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Lord, I just thank you that you would help us through the power of the Holy Spirit have an accurate assessment of our soil. God, if there's pollutants or uh, impurities in the soil of our heart, God, I just pray that you expose that today. We want to be what you've called us to be, and we want to yield a harvest. Help us do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you're taking notes, the first type of soil is hard soil. That's the kind of soil that Jesus was describing in verse 12. He says, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes in, snatches it away from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Now, the path that Jesus was referring to was this common area that would go through the fields, and it would divide plots of land in the field. And the challenge with the path is that it was a walkway. And so how do you think that ground was? It was very hard because of all the foot traffic on that path. The, the seed couldn't advance through the path because it was just too hard. And so birds would come and whoosh, snatch it. What was Jesus' point? He was pointing out that trampled hearts can't produce fruit. If your heart is hard, if your heart has been trampled, you're not going to produce fruit. And sadly, many of us, we allow foot traffic on our most valuable soil. What do I mean? Well, think of it this way. Anybody have a no shoes in the house policy? My wife does. After she does the... Uh, you know, the, the, we have this travel, travertine tile in there, and she does this mop thing. It steams and everything. It's pretty cool. I've never touched it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I do it if she asks. But she has, after she does that, it's like no one's allowed to wear shoes. Why? Because she wants to protect that tile. And so, sadly, some of us, we take better care of the floor in our house than we do this fertile ground called the heart. We allow our heart, a sacred ground, to be trampled. Maybe the greatest example of that is unhealthy talk. Proverbs 16, 28. Solomon said, gossip is spread by wicked people. They stir up trouble and break up friendships. How many friendships? How many marriages? How many churches do you think, if you could count, if you could fathom a guess, have been broken up by gossip, by toxic words that people say? And church people can be the worst. Amen. amen. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for saying amen to something like that. Because I've done it. I've done it before, man. And I've had to repent for that. And I'm trying harder than you would believe to keep that out of the church. But I can't do it by myself. I need people who will stand up. When people start to gossip, when people start to talk, you say, get behind me, Satan. Oh, man, that's really mean. You would, you're calling someone Satan. Well, would you rather have God call you wicked? Because that's what he said about people who gossip. Anytime I've ever gossiped, in the Lord's eyes, I'm wicked. And so 
when someone comes and they trample on your heart or they trample on somebody else's heart who don't even know their heart's being trampled on, you say, stop. Get behind me, Satan. I'm trying to deepen my soil, man. I'm not going to live the rest of my life with hard, impermeable soil. Because I don't know if you know this, but heart tissue cannot be repaired once it's compromised. Did you know that? You have a heart attack, what happens? Scar tissue forms on the heart. And that scar tissue doesn't, con doesn't contribute to the contractile force of the heart. And so your heart is forever compromised. My point is this, heart attacks can cause irreparable damage. Toxic words, gossip, slander, discord, man. It can tear a family apart. It can tear a church apart. And so we got to stop it, man. We got to guard against unhealthy talk. Guard that heart. Keep it from getting hard. I see, I see spiritual heart attacks every day. People, they say, what happened to so-and-so? The ground of the heart was hard and the enemy came like a bird and snatched him up out of here. People, there's people that are supposed to be here that aren't here. In part, because they let their, the fertile ground of their heart get hard. And it breaks my heart and it should break yours. And, and, and sometimes, guys, we've contributed to that. Sometimes I've contributed. I've had to go back and apologize. One person that's not here today, I, I went back and apologized to him for the way I handled something. I said, man, will you forgive me? So I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to us. We can't let the ground of our, our heart get hard. And parents, let me speak to you. A heart is like wet cement, right? You pour the, the cement, you form it up, and, and it starts to cure. And it's very impressionable early on. And once it cures, that cement looks that way for life. Now, I'm not saying God can't redeem things. He does all the time. God can do amazing things, but be careful because it's easier to build godly boys and girls than to repair broken men. We've got to deepen our soil. Number two, shallow soil. Verse 13, those on the rocky ground are the ones, Jesus says, who receive the word with joy and then hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Uh, there's a parallel account of this in Matthew chapter 13, and he describes this testing. He records Jesus as saying the testing was being scorched by the sun. Being scorched. Of course, the sun represents persecution. Being scorched by the sun. What's interesting is that plants with roots, what, is a, what does the sun do? It strengthens. Remember seventh grade science? Didn't you pay attention? Photosynthesis? The whole light thing, you know, and the carbon dioxide and it yields oxygen, all that, all that stuff, right? No. You didn't pay attention, did you? You got it? Okay. Well, that's a good thing if you have roots. If you're plugged in and you're, you're spending time with the Lord, right? Then, and, and you have a devotion life. You have a, brothers and sisters who are going to hold you accountable and have tough conversations. That's a good thing. Persecution's a good thing when you have roots. Whew. Sun's a good thing. But for those of us who don't really have roots and, and we're not really authentic Christians, we just kind of talk a good game, what does the sun do? It exposes us. It exposes us for who we really are. I have a picture I want to put up of, of uh, 
the sink. Yeah, that, that's my uh, little Stella's sink at home. And she dropped some sort of seed down in the uh, sink. <laughs> and one day there was a, yeah, it was, it was several months back. And I'm like, I took a picture. I'm going to use this someday. <laughs> now, how long do you think that lasted? It was like a day or two because it didn't have any roots. Probably had a bunch of toothpaste going down there too, right? It didn't last because it didn't have roots. And the sun will come out and it will expose us for who we are. And you know what, church, let me just be honest. I think the, the greatest persecution that we may face as individuals and as a church family is the persecution of loving the unlovable. The gathering values that God gave me before we started this church Family, authenticity, and mission. And we've been doing this for about a year, and let me just give you a little State of the Union address here. One of the things we say is we love messy people. We love messy people. Why? Because Jesus loved messy people. I was, uh, I was at the celebration of life yesterday for an amazing woman, Carol Winger. And just a God, yeah. <laughs> a woman of God, a woman who left her mark, a woman that really showed us how to love. I don't know whose phone that is, but I'm gonna come out there and I'm gonna, I'm gonna step on that thing. See, I'm talking about love and I'm about to, <laughs> see what I'm saying? This is how we know we need to work on this. This is how we know we're not there because it's driving me nuts. Right? Amen. Toxic words, see? But I won't gossip about it. I won't leave and talk about the person who didn't shut their phone off. There's the difference. So, so Carol, she's, she's an, she was an amazing woman. She challenged us and she taught us how to love. But you know, Carol was one of those people that was easy to love. Why? Because she loved us. Because she was there at the door with a big old smile, you know, and a hug. And it, was, and she wasn't, it wasn't some sort of show. It was real. It was authentic. It was genuine. That's who she was. And so it's easy to love someone like Carol. But what about when God brings in someone who's a little more difficult to love? Maybe who's done something just despicable in your eyes or my eyes. Guys, my heart's heavy this week. My heart's heavy because I thought that when we started this thing, when I say, God, you gave me this and we're going to love messy people. I really believe that saying that was enough and that everyone would be on board because they've been hurt by churches. They've been hurt by people who stood on the stage and said, it's all about loving God's people. When in reality it wasn't. And the truth came out. And, and, and I'm convicted. God's, God's reproved me this week because as I was seeing some stuff that was going on, my heart was breaking inside, but then God spoke to me. And he said, John, you're not good at loving people who don't love messy people. So I want to repent to you today, to God and in front of you, and say that some of y'all who don't love messy people drive me nuts. I don't understand it. Drives me nuts. Because that's so important to me. But you know what? I'm no better off because I'm still having a hard time loving people. 
You see what I mean? We have, we have our little groups, our little sex. You know, that's X-S-E-C-T, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you hear that church? Oh, my God, the pastor's talking about... Right. Our little factions, how about that? Good Lord, that's all I need. I'm leaving the church, he said that. Good Lord. You know, we all, we, we, we like to pick and choose, man, who we love. And who, who we distribute, you remember the funnel thing? Like we distribute our grace to whom we defit, deem fit, right? Like if, if you're easy to love, you know, I'm gonna give you grace, but the jack wagon over here, no, I'm not gonna give him any love. That, that's not, listen, we don't get to pick and choose who God brings through the doors. Our job is to love. I, I don't care what your mess is. I don't care what you've done. You're welcome here, man. You are welcome. As long as I'm on this stage, you're welcome. You see, I believe, I believe we're in a defining moment as a church. I believe the cement is starting to cure. And if we don't fight for the things that we profess, it's going to slip away. And we're going to be like, whatever, I won't, I won't make a comparison, but we're going to be like something we don't want to be. We're not going to be the church God's calling us to be. I'll say that. And we got to fight, man. we got to fight. When someone says something about somebody else, you say, oh, no, 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 not, not in this place. No, no, we don't, we don't, we don't do that here. Mm -mm. And we love you. And we'll give you grace, but we don't, we don't have that kind of talk. We don't sow seeds of discord. We don't slam people in this church. We believe that the cross is, is restorative, not punitive. We want to wrap our arms around people, not push them away. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 43. He said, you have, you have heard that it, it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies? Is he serious? Yes. Verse 45, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. Wait a second. Sunlight is also for evil people? Yep, it is. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward do you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? If a child rapist walks through those doors, would you love him? Carol would. If, you, if an abortion doctor responsible for the thou, th thousands of lives, loss of life, if he or she walked through the door, could you find a way to look that person in the eyes and wrap your arms around him or her? Jesus would. If someone who hurts you who did something so stupid, so vile, so wrong, did it just turn your stomach? Could you find a way through the grace of God what Jesus died for? Could you find a way to love that person? Jesus said in Luke 5, 32, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call the sinners. People say, well, why do you play secular music during the greeting time. I've heard some complaints. I'll tell you why. Luke 5. Because I want people who don't 
whose radio has never gone to Caleb. They didn't grow up in a church. They don't know the songs that we sing in our little club. And so we, they come in, and I want them to have some sort of commonality to say, okay, you know what? Okay, I know that song. I know Leonard Skinner. <laughs> you know, or whatever song, okay? Because here's the thing, I, and I get some of you have bad memories, and I'm, I don't disrespect that. It's just that we're, if we're righteous, God says, look, I, I didn't come to call the righteous. Praise God, you're righteous. So give a little grace and reach out to those people who really, the, the sinners who need to repent. Luke 15, what did he say? There'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner, one jacked up sinner who repents than 99 of us who are righteous. And Jesus, the cool thing about him, he doesn't love the sinner any more than he loves the righteous. It's not that somehow we're not important. Of course, we're just as important as Jesus. But he says, look, you know me. You're going to heaven. And you're living a godly life. So reach out to the people who aren't and love them. Love the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the poor, the crippled, because that's who Jesus was hanging with. That's, was, that was his guest list. Because he knew who needed help. We're a hospital for sick and broken people. So when a broken person comes in the door on a stretcher who's spiritually sick, don't look at him funny. Don't look at him with eyes of Look at eyes of love and say, man, welcome. I am so glad you're here. And you know what? I don't care what you did. Jesus, he'll deal with all that. He'll deal with the heart. We just want you to know, man, you are welcome here and you are loved. We don't look at you for, for, for your past mistakes. We look at you like God does as a child of God that can be redeemed and that God died for so that, he, that you could do great things in your life. Because last time I checked, good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And so let me just, just say this. Maybe there's some action some of us need to take. Like me today, repenting to some of y'all. I needed to do that. I needed to own that. Because that's wrong. And so God's working on me. But if he's working on you, hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And maybe today, Matthew 18, you need to go to a person and say, you know what? I have an issue with you. Or you know what? I'm sorry, I've been harboring something against you. I need to ask for forgiveness. But the cool thing, everyone talks about Matthew 18. You know, go to the person. Well, but you know that Matthew 5, Jesus said, if you know someone has something against you, you're supposed to go to them. Drop the sacrifice. And sacrifice is really important to God. He says, drop the sacrifice. Before you sacrifice, if you know someone's got something against you, go to that person and say, Chris, man, I know you were offended by something I said last week, but let's talk. You see, it's like two arrows that are pointing to each other. Why? Because God wants restoration. God wants resolution. God wants reconciliation. A whole bunch of R words that are really important to God. That's what we do. And so I just want to challenge you to deepen your soil. I'm challenging myself. I've repented in front of the whole church. I've repented to God for that. If God's calling you to do something, go today and deepen that soil. And, and three, third type of soil is the crowded soil. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, pleasures, and they do not mature. I believe that's probably most Christians, if we're honest today. Um, we're probably the, the third soil. I could be wrong. 
But, you know, so, so many of us, we, we, we love Jesus and we want to give him stuff, right? But we just don't want to surrender everything. We don't want to surrender our heart, you know? What if he said, you know, give your minivan to, uh, to a single mom in the church? Would you do it? Or does that just sound crazy, you know? What, I don't know what he's calling you to do, but would you do it? The, the, the truth is, many of us, we're so busy. And, and, we're, not do, and, we're, not, and we're not even sinning. Like, we're busy doing stuff that's, that's good. Like, we're not partaking in sin, but we're just really busy. I love what Adrian Rogers says. If Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Isn't that true? Like, we're just busy people. And we justify it as, well, we're not sinning. And it's not that we're doing anything bad. It's just that it's keeping us from doing so much good. Evidence of, of that, evidence of, of the thorns and the weeds that are choking us out is, is a church attendance. Did you know that the person, average church attender in America that says they attend church regularly goes three times in 60 days? That's the average church attendance for church attenders in America. Uh, the uh, only 17.5% tithe, did you know that? And uh, giving's gone down 50% since 1990. Servants down. So point is the soil's being overwhelmed, Right? The soil's being overwhelmed, being choked out by the weeds and by the thorns. And so what Jesus is telling us today, let's deal with our weeds. And I'm so proud of some people in this church that are doing that. Last week, uh, Robert and his wife, they were going to go buy a car after a Sunday after the service. And then I preached about investing. And then so he messaged me and said, hey, we're, we're going to buy a car. But we felt like God was saying, hey, don't make that investment. That's going to be, you know, it's going to strap us too much. Little things like that. Another family who's here today, and I won't name them, they uh, really felt God has, has been calling them to be better stewards and to not allow the things uh, of the world, you know, that we think are so dear, to really choke out the weeds. And so they, uh, they're selling two cars. Uh, they're pulling back on their out-to-eat budget, which uh, they said in one year they spent $28,000. Right? That's what I thought. I was like, dang, man. Is that Ruth Chris Steakhouse? Invite your pastor once in a while. <laughs> but I'm so proud of them for making tough decisions. She, she, she said, she told her husband, she said, well, you got to learn to do my nails because I'm not going to the, the nail place anymore. What's it called? What's the nail place called? Salon. There you go. See, my wife's low maintenance, so I don't even know what that's called. But I love it, man. I love it when people... Say, you know what? I'm willing to, to, to weed out my crowded soil. So proud of them. And the last type of soil is the good soil. Uh, verse 15. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now here's what I want to point out. Good soil isn't clean soil, it's cultivated soil. What do I mean? Well, soil is dirt, and dirt will always be dirt. You can't change the molecular structure. Dirt is dirt, and dirt will always be dirty. But what makes dirt good is the cultivation process, the process of unearthing dirt, of turning it over, of aerating the soil. But be careful, because that's painful. 
right? You know this. When that soil of your heart is being cultivated, either by an act of God or by you volitionally saying, God, I got to deal with some stuff, it's painful. And sometimes it hurts. And yet it is absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary. Because if it's not cultivated, that soil becomes unusable. And you know that when we get to the good soil, all of us naturally assume that Jesus is talking about us. We're the 25%, right? We're the good soil. Maybe. And if you are, praise God, man. Let this, let this message be an encouragement to you to keep doing what you're doing. You're a great example if that's you. But for some of us, myself included, man, I, I got some, some chinks in the armor, man. I got, I got some, some stuff that God is exposing as he unearths my soil. Even this very week. He's working some stuff out in me. And thank you for the grace to allow me to share that with you and to be real. Because if you can't share it in church, where can you share it? But how do we know? How do we know if we're that soil? The fourth type of soil? We take a soil sample. We look into our heart and we say, Holy Spirit, where am I at? Are there some impurities? Are there some inconsistency, some imperfection in my soil? If so, if so, expose them and show me what you want from me. Help me leave church today better than I came. Not because some guy stood on a stage, but because the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, directly to my soul, and stirred me to change. I wanna bring out Rich and Emily. We're gonna close this message. By them, uh, I asked them to share that we were doing a, this uh, marriage group at, at our, uh, in my house. We got like 40 people. It's crazy. Pray for us. But we started last Wednesday. We're going nine more weeks. And we'll do it again in the fall. And so some other people will be able to sign up. We'll, uh, it's kind of our test, uh, test group. And uh, we're going to do it again in the fall. So there'll be more opportunities. But they said, they shared some stuff the other night in, in our group. And I said, would you share this with the, with the, uh, with the church? And they said, we're really nervous to speak. I said, it's okay. God uses nervous people. So um, they recently kind of took a soil sample and, and, and realized there's some things that God was calling them to change in their life. And I just wanted them to briefly share that real quick. Go ahead. And God has always been a part of our marriage. Um, we stepped away from the church about five years ago um, because of different hurts that we had. And we lost touch with God. lost touch and uh, some of the things that started happening in our life is our, our uh, relationship started to kind of drift away and we started to notice uh, a lot of things with our kids they were acting out acting up and we had to step back and we really had to look at ourselves and assess what we were doing and we just 
we left God out of everything. Like we knew he was there, but we put him behind us. And you know, that wasn't a good place for us. Um, so we realized that there were some, some things we needed to do. We needed to uh, embark on this journey. We had to, first and foremost, we had to forgive a lot of people in our lives that had hurt us. And we were holding on to a lot of bitterness. And once- It was showing, it was showing in our kids, the bitterness. And you have to step back and look. They weren't getting it from other people. You had to look in the mirror because they get it from you. And it's disgusting when you look at it. And you have to reevaluate yourself. And you have to change your soil like you said. It's not. There's no walk without the Lord. You need the Lord first and foremost so that he can feel your marriage and so that we can fuel our kids. So we did just that. We decided to uh, do this. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's only been a few weeks now, but it's amazing how much has changed in every part of our life. So, yeah, amen. Love you guys. Amen. They, uh, and that's the short version. There's so much more to that story, um, what God's doing in their life, in their marriage, in their spiritual walk with God. And I encourage you to talk to them. If you want to hear the rest of the story, they'll be here. They're, they're going to have to stick around for next service anyway, so I'm making them. But um, I asked them. But part of the hurt that they incurred five years ago, some of that was from church, Right? The majority of it was from church. And that's why my spirit's so troubled this week. Because I'm scared to death of us becoming that church. And we're not there. But every once in a while I'll hear something or I'll see something. And I'm like, God, help us not become that church. Help us be a church that you're proud of, that Carol, when she looks down, would say, that's just like I left it. People who love the least of these. Help me, would you? Would you help me fight for the DNA that we founded this church on, the cornerstone of Christ? And what's the cornerstone? Love. He went to the cross. Love took him to the cross. Let's try as hard as we can to love like he loved. And yes, we're imperfect. Yes, I'm not there. But I'm not okay with staying where I'm at. I'm dealing with the soil in my life. And I pray in the name of Christ that you would deal with your soil. And if that leads you to your knees, that's okay. If that leads you to go tell someone you're sorry or someone that, that you're holding a grudge that I, I forgive you or will you forgive me? Whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do, do it. Because Rich and Emily are proof that when you listen to the voice of God, when you take the soil sample, when you deal with that stuff in your life, there's greatness that awaits on the other side of that. But you gotta stand. You gotta persevere through the trial. Amen?
Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our church family. I thank you for what you're teaching me. And God, sorry for my imperfections. God, sorry that I'm not yet the man you want me to be, not yet the leader that I need to be. But God, thank you for not giving up on me. And thank you for calling base people to confound the wise, normal people like us to do great things. God, thank you for what you're doing in our family and help us fight while the cement is curing on the foundation of this church. God, I thank you that we fight for the things that are important to you, that a heart breaks for the things that breaks your heart. God, don't leave us. Don't abandon us. Don't forsake us, God. We are here. We are listening and we are following. We are committed to loving, messy people because that's precisely what you did. We love you and we praise you. We thank you in advance for what you're doing within the soil of our heart. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give God praise? Come on. Amen, amen. Listen, leave, leave encouraged. And if you leave convicted by, by something God did, praise God for that too. But leave encouraged, knowing that we are fighting for what we want to be. Amen? Love you guys. Have a great week.